Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, welcome to Selfie. Well, today Matthias and I are going to be answering a listener question about the effects of anti-LGBTQ legislation on kids, specifically kids who identify as such and what that is doing to their mental health. We're going to talk about the interesting commercialization of things like Juneteenth and Pride Month and what performative allyship or commercialized allyship looks like and how we find the nuance between being supportive and falling into performative allyship. Lots of big topics. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. How are you? You know, I'm I'm doing okay. My my book is due today, actually. (laughs) New deadline. (laughs) I feel like I just keep talking about this book, but new deadline is today. So I have been just in the thick of trying to get it. Totally. And feels like not much else has happened oh yeah yeah, everything nothing else does happen it's like finals week yes yeah yeah so are you feeling like you're gonna you know like you're getting it all in and it's i mean it's getting there yeah like it's i i mean here's here's what's so funny here's the behind the scenes we're recording this in advance so it's due the day this episode comes out i don't know if it's done right now or not (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> as we're recording this i'm hoping it is <laughs> someone will let you know <laughs> future me will know yes. whether it's done so Aww. yeah that's that's where i'm at yeah and it, i mean it's pride like that's great and i'm trying to navigate like how do you feel happy in a time where everything is so hard <laughs> so. yeah i mean life goes on right like there's still Hard things. Yeah. 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 So that's, I mean, kind of sitting in the complexity of, of all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what about you? How are you? Well, I wanted to give an update on my ketamine journey. Yeah. I've been curious. Okay. It's not great news. Oh. <laughs> um, I did it one time and I hated it. Mm. <laughs> Had a massive panic attack. Oh, no. So I, they want me to go back. I have made two follow-up appointments and canceled. Um, I will say this. I did not, I did not take an anti-anxiety before the experience. Okay. A lot of people do that. A lot of people need to do that. But they also say that doing so dampens the effects. Oh, interesting. Because a part of the treatment is that you go into the quote unquote K-hole. Like that's part of it. So if you are taking an anti-anxiety to diminish that experience, you're diminishing the treatment. That Mm -hmm. experience is the treatment, which is wild, right? Yeah. But the experience was very terrifying for me. Mm. I mean, I just felt like the world went sideways. So... I think what what we're trying to do 
is get me to have a neutral, not a good experience, but a neutral experience on an anti-anxiety med and then slowly reduce the amount of anxiety med I need to take to the point where I'm able to take the full dose of ketamine without anything else. Oh, interesting. But it was, it was bad. It was really bad. And I had my boyfriend with me and he was like, it was just the saddest thing that I've ever seen. Because I was like, I was crying, but not like a, not a in pain cry and not a, like it was just like a sorrowful cry. Like I was, I was crying over the weight of the world. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he was like, it was just so horrible to watch because you were distraught. And then I was also in, even in the experience, I was just upset that it was like going bad, you know? Yeah. Right. And then I kind of got into like negative thinking patterns of like, this won't work. Nothing ever works. You know, yes. of course this didn't work. I can't oh, even so do hard. this. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, especially if you're on a psychedelic like the moment those things start going south it's really hard to get out of oh right those loops totally and i did i had a legit panic attack they they check your blood pressure throughout the experience and mine got high enough that they had to medicate me for that too Oof. and i've never had that happen in my life yeah i don't have high blood pressure so you know it my heart rate was way up i was i was properly freaked out yeah Oh, that's awful. I know. So I, I want to go back, but I, you know, I have every time I make an appointment, I just start feeling really panicky about the appointment. Sure. That makes sense. D- did you notice any reduction or shift in symptoms after that experience? Not at all. Hmm. Because I was so upset by how it went down yeah. that I actually feel like I would kind of like put me in a bad place. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So... but i will try i'm gonna try it again and i will report back but i think i'm taking a little like i just need a little break i mean that's that's fair like a a bad a bad trip because that's essentially what you had yeah can be fairly traumatic (laughs) totally but yeah i do it's funny because i do have one friend who used ketamine recreationally in her youth Mm. and she's just like yeah of course it was terrible like it's a terrible drug (laughs) Yep, right. Yeah, she's like, I don't understand anyone willingly doing it, and I'm like, well, I don't know. I, I mean, that's this, that's what fascinates me about ketamine is like, I I think it's because it's the only one that's legal right now. <laughs> like, well, the, right, it is the, the only one that's legal, and that's what's interesting about it is I would so much prefer to try MDMA, right. um, psilocybin, yes, any number of other psychedelics that don't put you into quite so dark of a hole. Right, right. Um, but those aren't legal or available. Right, yeah. Which is weird. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of we're using a, a tool that is kind of works, but there are better tools out there. Yeah. But still need to be con- fully researched. Well, I think they've been researched. I think I we know. just have a weird <laughs> drug, like, <laughs> stigma, you know? Yep. There yep. is plenty of research. We know that MDMA is effective for trauma. Oh, yeah. Same with shrooms. Like, yeah. And, and we know it. Like, right. double blinds have been done, peer reviewed. Yep. Yep. But, um, I, you know, I think we have a, an FDA problem. We do. And a stigma problem. And a stigma problem. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, 
Anyway, yeah, and I had read that whole Michael Pollan book that you had recommended, and you know, so I was feeling so hopeful. But the, at the end of the day, his book is not about ketamine. It's not. That's not at all. So. It's not the drugs he was talking about that have all the promise. So. Yep. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know, or I just need to find a, a legal way to do, you know, but that that all feels so sketchy. Yeah. I mean, especially for myself, someone who like, I don't even want to take, you know, an FDA approved antidepressant. Right. I think everyone else should. You know, I, I totally <laughs> preach that everyone should take a med if they need it, but I'm scared to death to, to take anything. Yeah. So like, I'm going to sign up for like, Back alley. Right. MDMA. No. Right. Right. <laughs> I don't even smoke weed. So there we are. Yeah. Which is legal in my state. <laughs> yep. <laughs> anyway, um, what do you have for two thumbs up today? I was racking my brain for this one, Kristen. Were you? I, I like haven't, I mean, you see it. I like haven't bought anything recently. So my two thumbs up for today is sweet potatoes. Listen, <laughs> I have a lot of love for sweet potatoes. They are underrated. And they I feel are. like once a month, I'm like, sweet potatoes are amazing. Yes. It's, I've, I have not done anything with sweet potatoes for probably a couple of years. So I feel like it's a rediscovery. Okay. I bought a big bag of them and I have like every day. I'm like, these are so good. Okay. How are you preparing them? <laughs> so what I've been doing, I, I get stuck in a rut pretty quickly. So I just haven't been making a hash. So I cube them up, throw them in with a little bit of oil, salt, pepper, mm -hmm. um, fry them up so that they're kind of crispy and then throw, you know, two eggs in there and just kind of cook it over easy and been eating that for breakfast. So Ugh. you're, when you say fry them up, you're like in a saute pan. Yes. Yes. I'm what doing oil it. do you use? Uh, olive oil. Okay. Yeah. So they get a bit crispy and with those two eggs and mm. it's such a good breakfast. Like, I feel like I need a, like I'm inviting you to send me a food photo. Okay. Because I want to see a photo of this. We'll happily do that the next time. It I sounds do. really good. They're delicious. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I forget sometimes just how good a sweet potato just like cleaned and rubbed in butter mm. out of the oven is. Right. You know? Right. It's so good. It's so good. So versatile. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and healthy. Like, yes. Don't feel guilty and I'm not an advocate for feeling guilty about anything you eat. Yeah, yeah. And yet, of course, at least for me, there's always that part of my brain that feels like it's on that I have to work with. <laughs> totally, of course. It's like me with the antidepressants. Like, I don't right. want anyone else to feel guilt, but I will wallow in it. Yes. So that back and forth of like, it is nice to have those foods that I don't have to do that work with. Yes. <laughs> I have been being lazy, but I will just buy those giant bags of sweet potato french fries. Oh, yeah. I think the brand is like Alexa or something. Uh-huh. And, you know, it's just sweet potatoes, olive oil, and salt, and I just pop them in the air fryer, Ugh, and I don't yes. have to cut anything even. Right. That's that is so like my nice. everyday snack. Yeah, good. <laughs> I love it. Good, good. Mm. Yeah. What about you? Well, you know, here I am on my quest to make everything into a bar. Mm-hmm. I'm on the bar shampoo. I'm on the bar conditioner. Um, I just found two new bars. You know, we're traveling soon. And so when I travel, I especially like to take everything in bar form. Because yeah. then you don't have to worry about, like, checking or size or whatever. So I finally found a bar leave-in conditioner. 
Oh. Like a, a serum. Because my hair, my hair has to have something in it. I can't just okay. like use conditioner in the shower and then walk around. <laughs> yeah, sure. I need like defrizzing. So anyway, it's this brand called Bars Over Bottles, solid intense conditioner. And you just, you rub it in your hair when you're in the shower, but you don't wash it out. And it's just oh, like this lovely softening leave-in conditioner. And then I found a really nice bar face cleanser for travel. This is from the company Ethique. And they have a, I really like this company. They have a lot of, they have everything in bar form. That's kind okay. of their their gig. But it's just a nice face cleansing bar. They come kind of smaller. So I think they're made for you to take with you when you travel. Mm-hmm. And they come like four in a in a little package. Hmm. And I'm really liking that as well. This, I, is, I, I'm still kind of trying to work with this idea of a bar leaving conditioner. I know. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's weird. It's in my brain. It's <laughs> does weird. Does it lather? I mean, conditioner no. doesn't lather, but it like... It doesn't lather. It your, and okay. so here's the, here's the deal. Bar shampoo, you can lather into your hands and then you can spread it through your hair with your hands. When you're using a bar conditioner or this bar leave-in, you have to physically take that bar and wipe it on every strand of hair. Okay. So I don't want to undersell the fact that it's a lot of work. Yeah. It is. I mean, my daughters are like, we hate this. It takes five minutes. (laughs) Can you just buy us normal conditioner? (laughs) And I'm like, well, I guess you hate the planet. (laughs) (laughs) Now, let me clarify also. I do all kinds of hating the planet behaviors, but, you know. Sure. Um. My Amazon habit being one of them. So I don't want to sound sanctimonious. I'm totally. Um, but yes, it. so the bar conditioner routine is a little laborious, I will admit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you can't take the bar and rub it in your hands and then rub your hands through your hair. Right. You are in the shower <laughs> rubbing a little hockey puck on every strand of hair. <laughs> yeah, it's a pain in the butt. Yeah, that does sound like a pain. It is. I'm not really <laughs> selling it, am I? <laughs> no. Although I'm sitting here and thinking like, oh, that'd probably be much easier in my hair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, bars. for short hair, for short yeah. hair, I think it would be much easier. But mm-hmm. I do, I love, I love it for travel because like, you know, my kids and I are going to Europe. We are packing really light. So I can take one shampoo bar, one conditioner bar, one face bar, and now this leave-in bar for the whole family. For the whole, for for all two weeks, like you know, yeah. and then I don't have to worry about taking any of that out of my luggage when we go through anything. That's nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Like it goes yeah. a long way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it's nice for travel. Mm-hmm. Well, talk to me about this next listener question. Yeah. So someone is wondering, especially since it's Pride Month, so mm-hmm. we're we're doing all of this celebration around Pride, and yet, mm-hmm. like the reality is, there's a ton of anti-LGBT legislation that is popping up. Yes. Um, 
not just in Florida, but in but Florida's many the states. big Florida was sort of the like spearhead one. Right. Yeah. But we I mean we have bills in Tennessee, we have bills in Texas, we have bills in Ohio, like yeah. like all over the place things are being challenged and the fears on the horizon, which I think we talked about this in a previous episode, of what's gonna happen on the national level with this Supreme Court and just kind of the anxiety mm-hmm. that is in place. So so how do we What's the effect of that on kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially queer kids? Totally. Uh, and <laughs> I've been asking that for myself. <laughs> like, how how is this affecting me? Like, it's... yeah. How do how does it? I mean, if you don't, don't mean me asking, how how does it affect you as you see this legislation? And also bearing in mind that you're not in a state where this is happening, which is right. inter- an interesting dynamic as well. It is an interesting dynamic because I live in a state of where something awful would have to happen for it to be challenged. Right, like something here. cuckoo. Like, like it would be wild if that were to be challenged in Washington State. Yes. Um, may it not be so. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, but still, like especially because like so much of the rest of my work, my other podcast is so focused on mm-hmm. talking and chatting with people who are existing in these other places and, and how interconnected we are as a community. Like it's, it is terrifying to see a lot of these hard won rights. Um, and when I say rights, like gay marriage, but then also these rights that we haven't won yet, such as trans rights, yeah, <laughs> being challenged and rolled back and, and literally watching it affect people in their daily lives and how much harder it is for, mm-hmm. for people to just exist and live in the world yeah. when all of this rhetoric is around. It, it's heartbreaking and terrifying. It is. It is. Yeah. And I, you know, even as we're having this conversation, like I have to really admit my own privilege because I live in California, I see this stuff happening. And a lot of times my first thought is like, these freaking states, you know what yeah, I mean? Like, right. yeah. this is why I live where I live. Or, uh, you know, like this sort of disdain for, the, you know, those kinds of states as opposed to like actually putting the kids forward in my mind who live in those states, you know? Right. Like, I I think that I... Yeah, I just am I'm sitting in a little like privilege bubble of like that won't happen here. Totally. But it's happening in our country. It is. And I mean to be honest, like I do that too. I think a lot of people do that like yeah. Ugh, look at that state. Like it, it it is hard to make that shift between the like frustration and the eye roll <laughs> yeah. to the there are actual people in these states <laughs> who need help, who oh need my gosh, our help. totally. Like and like need us to fight on their behalf because of I mean how hard it is to exist. Absolutely. Absolutely. What advice would you give for maybe parents who who live in those states whose kids are watching this happen in their yard? Yeah. I mean I think the first thing is don't assume that your child isn't aware. Like, yeah. Like I, I think it's like is it, for as hard as it is, it's important to have those conversations yes. depending on ages. But like, especially if your kids in their teens, like have those conversations because like 
I think it's so much more isolating for a kid to be hearing about these things and not be able to talk about it with someone. Oh my gosh. It's, this is so true. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I think that this is a little bit relevant in a parallel way. I had a parent reach out to me who it was a white mom who had adopted a black child. Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, like she said something about, you know, my son just got really involved in Black Lives Matter and like we feel like we're losing him and like it's just been so confusing. And I remember thinking like your son should have learned about Black Lives Matter from you. Yeah. Like that should have been the intro, not like this family split. And I think it's probably the same for raising – LGBTQ kids. And I, and I also think for every parent, you don't know if your kid is going to be or not. Right. So you need to raise every child as if. So all of these conversations should be happening throughout the lifespan, don't you think? I think, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think it's worth like in having those kind of contextual conversations, like they don't need to necessarily be intense sit downs yeah (laughs) but at least bringing it up (laughs) and and i mean i think about this i i i it's not my example but use that idea of like is it like ten thousand tiny conversations around like Mm -hmm. sexual education with your kids like i think this is a similar thing where it it just needs to become part of what's talked about yeah um so that your kids know it's on the table Yeah. And I think as legislation happens, you know, as you said, the kids are aware, especially, you know, teenagers are on social media. Um, Even if they're not, you know, LGBTQ, it's likely they're seeing that kind of content. Yes. So they're aware of what's happening. I mean, my my kids are like reposting TikToks and Instagram that's talking about all kinds of legislation. (laughs) I'm like learning half the stuff from them (laughs) from accounts that they follow. So yeah, kids are hearing about it and like how much better for them to hear from their parents and to understand that their parents are disturbed as well. Yeah. That feels important. I I think it also can be an opportunity to uh, like get involved in a political process together. Ooh, yes. Right? Like you can sit down with your child then and write a letter together. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. can educate, like here's how our political system works. Like it's really frustrating and this is the reality that we're working with. And and you can be proactive in doing some of those things together so that your kid has at least maybe some sense of agency in the process of, um, especially if they're queer, like, let's let's do something about it here are the things we can do we can call we can write a letter we can do these things and then do it together yeah i think that's so good yeah well speaking of pride month one of the things you and i wanted to talk about which i think is such an interesting and kind of nuanced conversation and i don't know that we have the right answers but like we're watching both pride month and juneteenth you know june is the month of both of them Suddenly, they are so commercialized. Right. Um, there was a big brouhaha about there was I, – I don't remember what brand it was, but they had made a Juneteenth ice cream flavor. Yeah. <laughs> Suddenly, there were Juneteenth, you know, decorations. Um, Target, uh, you know, for June is selling binders for June, you know. Yes. Um, but has never sold them before. Like, you know, so we're just – we're watching a lot of – it's, it's such a tricky thing because it's like, yes, we want people to be celebrating 
these things, but I don't know. Like, help me out. Yeah, right, right. Like, and I really feel like I can only really speak to the pride thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but it is that fine line because I'm like, of course I want biters sold in every Target. Like, like I right, want those right, things right. to be. But accessible. you want it sold, right? <laughs> like, like organically. Yes. Not right. as like a here's the thing, you know, like a costumey almost. Totally. Right. Like, and I feel like there's such a terror because, at least among my friends, like, we all look forward to seeing Target's Pride collection. Yes. And we roll our eyes at it at the same time. We're like, this is so ridiculous. And, and like, all the memes that go around of, like, companies on June 1st and it, like... Just, like, everyone suddenly is queer and happy and proud and, like, only for the month of June, though. Like, it's... Yeah ridiculous and i love it like (laughs) i know what is what is that line well it's so funny because you know um the day before pride my daughter said hey my friends and i you know want to like wear stuff tomorrow to school and she goes but i i have i have no pride wear like you've never bought me any and she says it like you know kind of like blamey and i was like (laughs) oh my gosh how many times have I shown you something and said, do you want this? And she's like, yeah, from the Target collection. Like, that's so dumb, <laughs> right? And then I'm like, ma'am, which collection is not – like, like point me to the collection I should have shown you to. Yeah. Like, if the Target collection is so cringy, what is the, like, indie – I don't even know. But yeah. I just thought it was funny that she was, like, at the same time – Wanting to wear pride wear, but not wanting it to be, you know, I don't know. Totally. It's funny. But but I, I do, th- like, I do think that raises an important point, though, is is that question of, of who is our money going to? Because I yes. feel like that can be really helpful in this conversation of... You're so like, right. Of, and, and I'm not the best at this, like, <laughs> but, but... But even like, as I'm saying it, I'm like, well, I guess I could have gone on Etsy. <laughs> Right, and exactly. got it from an artisan. <laughs> <laughs> I think that too. Every time I buy a pride shirt at Old Navy, like <laughs> yeah, like, like there are so many queer people making these things. Right, that, you know, it takes a extra week or two to get it, but like then that money is going in the pocket of someone who's queer. Yes, <laughs> instead yes, of yes. A corporation, um, and I imagine I don't know, but I imagine that's similar. I feel like Juneteenth feels a little bit different than Pride. Um, but it's similar. Well, I think what's tricky about Juneteenth, and I'll, I don't know, I'll ask you this. Like, Pride feels like it could be for everyone because we're, we could be supporting it. Yes. Where June, I, I am talking out of my butt right now, and this is not well formed, but Juneteenth feels like it's maybe not for everyone. I, I mean, speaking as a white person, <laughs> obviously, like, I think so. Like, like I think pride, I mean, of course, there's a multiplicity of views on this, but I, but I think there's a sense of, of pride is, there certainly is, like, a very queer element to it, but it, it is a collective celebration. Whereas I think Juneteenth is a very specific cultural, yeah, l- culturally located celebration that, like, it's not for 
the people. <laughs> well, I mean, that's not to say like I do. We are my community does a Juneteenth celebration every year. I go every year. Mm-hmm. I invite other people, to, you know, white and black friends to come because I think like, hey, you know, bring your white kids, show them what this is. But I wouldn't wear a T-shirt. <laughs> right. Whereas I would, you know, for like, if I go to a pride parade, I'd wear a love is love t-shirt or something like to show support. But the Juneteenth just feels more like I'm there. I am. I mean, I guess I'm an observer in either setting. I don't know why it feels different. Yeah. I don't know either. And I'm sure, I'm sure there is a reason, but I, I I don't know that the two of us are the ones who will be able to figure that out. I like her working. We're working all of this out in real time. And in an hour, I'm going to be like, I maybe, I don't know if I agree with Right after we get canceled. <laughs> right. We're just like working it all out as we speak. I will say this. I just intuitively know that the Juneteenth ice cream was too far. Yes. <laughs> I know that too. And yeah. And that question of performative allyship. Like. And you know what I'd really like? This is what I would really like. I would like there to be a section in Target that is about gay pride all the time, every month. Yes. And I would like there to be a section in Target for black makers every month. And they should just be full-time installations. Yes. That's what I'd like. I would like that, too. Not to, you know, make Target the focus of everything, even though it sort of is. I mean, I agree. (laughs) We love Target. (laughs) Not to make Target the center of my world, even though I just got a shipment today. (laughs) Well, okay. to, To try to add... I don't know, like a takeaway. How do we, how do we, how do I, speaking as someone who's not, you know, I'm not in an in-group in terms of I am not LGBTQ, I am not Black. How do I avoid performative allyship? I mean, for me, the f- the first answer is listening well mm-hmm. <laughs> to the communities that you're trying to support. Yeah. And two, like, I, truly, I think of that big question is where's the money going? Mm. Uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think especially, especially if you're not part of the community, like, using your dollars to support the community is, yeah. is an impo- like, a tangible way of allyship. It is yeah. not the only way to be an ally. <laughs> Yes. But it is a helpful consideration, I think. Um, Yeah. Yeah. I think that's good, too. I mean, I think, too, just for me, it's like thinking about it year round also, you know. Yes. Right. I mean, it's funny because I, you know, it's Pride Month and I refreshed our flag, but we have the flag up all year. Yeah, it's good. (laughs) I bought a new one and I steamed it. (laughs) Yes, good. But, you know, it's like this isn't just for June. Like, we want to show that all year long, and I will fly it all the time, but especially as long as the guy across the street keeps his Blue Lives Matter flag up. (laughs) (laughs) Have have I ever told you about our neighborhood war, our flag war? No, I haven't heard about this. Oh, gosh. The two neighbors across the street from me could not be more extreme. Mm. And, you know, there's the guy with the Blue Lives Matter, and then next, (laughs) next to him is a couple... Um, a, a cute gay couple, but they they will fly like marijuana flags. Yes, <laughs> they will fly like you know. It's a little bit like okay, guys. So it's just oh, it just feels like funny. they're out flagging each other. So then theirs will be like now it's a it's 
a marijuana pride flag. <laughs> so it's like, it's like a, the American flag, but it's rainbow, but it's in the shapes of pot leaves. <laughs> yes. It just makes me laugh. But there was a while back where, you know, when the, I don't, I forget what was going on, but like our, our whole neighborhood bought matching pride flags and it was just really cute. I love that. So everyone, not everyone, but a, a number of people had them. I think it was, I think it had to do with the Blue Lives Matter flag. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Gosh. Anyway, but yeah, um, I'm not going to lie though. I thought the ice cream was too far. Still wanted to taste it because it sounded good. S- same. The Juneteenth, because it was like. <laughs> it did sound like. It was flavor. red velvet. Mixed and with like, cheesecake, I think. I think so. Yeah. It did sound pretty good. It sounded delicious. Yeah. Oh, God bless us. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up, we're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 